Welcome to season two of Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn with Rashad and Ali Darwish. <laughs> Today, we have the wonderful pleasure of having an amazing guest named Salah Muhammad. Salah Muhammad, tell us some more about yourself. Welcome. How you guys doing? Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum assalam. Well, today's going pretty good. I'm excited to be on the podcast with you guys today. We've been waiting for this to happen for some time now. Yeah. Uh, you and I were supposed to be on a podcast earlier, uh, but due to uh, unforeseen circumstances, yeah. I couldn't be there. Um, but alhamdulillah, we're here now, and uh, I'm looking forward to this episode. Yeah, me too. So I think we should just jump straight into the questions. We have a lot of questions and okay. a lot of conversations that uh, we want to have uh, regarding your disability and uh, you know how you got here and everything you do. So tell us a little bit about uh, what your diagnosis is. Okay, so I'm a T6 complete paraplegic. And what that means is I'm, I have a spinal cord injury. So from the right here, from the chest down, I'm uh, paralyzed, completely paralyzed because it's like your spinal, there's like two main types of spinal cord injuries is incomplete and complete. Incomplete basically means I completely severed my spinal cord. Incomplete, it's damaged, but your spinal cord's still intact. So, yeah, I'm a T6 complete paraplegic. Um, what happened was I was Friday prayer, Juma. I was coming home from, uh, what, let's backtrack a little bit. So, Fridays, my schedule usually on Fridays is I wake up, I go to school. Pray, come home, go straight to work. And this was how many years ago? When when was oh, this? November third, twenty seventeen. Okay. So a little over five years now. Yeah, a little over five years. So usually, on I was driving a motorcycle at the time. So usually on on Fridays, I never touch my bike because I wake up, go to school, come home. Or I wake up, go to school, pray, come home, go straight to work. I was working at a pizza place at the time, but this day, Subhanallah, what I what happened was I missed my I slept through my alarm. So I'm like. Ah, can't I can't go to I can't I won't make it to school and what can I do in the meantime before work? So the it was it was November so it was cold but it wasn't the conditions were good it wasn't um it wasn't raining it wasn't snowing so I thought hey let me ride this is gonna be the, let me let me get on my bike today because this is gonna be like the probably the last good day uh, that it that it it's gonna be for for the season motorcycle yeah my motorcycle yeah my motorcycle so. As I'm getting ready to leave for the day, because uh, I was going to go to Walmart first, get some things, then go to the masjid, and then come back, then go to work. So as I'm leaving, um, as I'm, get, I, I'm getting dressed, I put on my helmet, and I start to get on the bike. My mom's like, Salah, uh, please, today don't ride. Um, she just didn't feel good about it. So I'm like, uh, don't worry, Mom, today's going to be the last day I ride before the winter, and I'm going to put the bike in the shed after, after today. And subhanAllah, it was my last day. So after that, I get on my bike, uh, go to Walmart, get some things, throw it in my backpack, go to the masjid, go pray, listen to the khutbah. And then on my way back, I'm coming home. It's, it's a turn I've taken a lot of time. So I'm coming home from the freeway, riding, everything's going. It was a, it was a great day of riding, like uh, like to the, to the Walmart, from the Walmart to the masjid. It was all, no, like it was perfect. There wasn't a lot of cars because it was a Friday. People are at work, this was before, uh, COVID, so people were always driving, but during that time, no, everyone's at work, so the roads were pretty clear. So I'm coming home, uh, coming home from the masjid, and then I'm getting off the freeway. And um, what happens? There's this thing called target fixation, which is the, one of the top three causes of motorcycle accidents, and that's what happened to me. So I was coming off the freeway, taking an exit. I've, t I've taken many times. It's not a, e it's not a hard turn. It's an easy turn. And I was coming off, I was slowing down from 70, because that's what speeding on 75 is. 
and then I was uh, let off the throttle. And as soon as I started the exit, I froze in the middle of the turn. And I went straight from cement to grass because so my, my tire was spinning so fast, my back tire. So as soon as I touched the grass, it kicked out from under me and I hit the ground going 65. And then me and the bike separated. The bike went to the right and I went forward um, flipping. So like, I, like from, so like I was like from where the bike hit to where I ended up was about a hundred yards. So like a football field. So if you imagine someone flying across the football field, that's what happened to me. So I was hitting my back, uh, going up in the air. Like I would see the, I would see the sky. Then when I hit the ground, it would go black. And then it happened a few times. And, um, yeah. And then I was trying to get up. I was, what my thought process was, cause you know, we're out of and, uh, our parents are very strict. So I thought, let me get it. Let me get, um, get, let me get back on the bike, hide it. So my parents don't find out. No one finds out about this and then we're good. But at, obviously I didn't realize as it was going on, like I, I realized like I couldn't move, like I couldn't move like my legs or anything. So I couldn't get up and I was very disoriented. You realized that instantly that you couldn't move. I realized something was wrong. So what happened was the first thing that happened is, uh, I was touching my, like my ribs and my stomach. And the reason why is cause like, if you look right now, my stomach's kind of out. It's not necessarily cause I'm fat. It's because there's a mus muscle here called the trans transverse abdominis. And since it's below, like below like T six. So I don't have control of that muscle. That muscle's always pushed out. So it's my gotcha. muscle always sticks out. So what I thought was, I thought my intestines blew up. So I was feeling it because it was pushed out. I'm like, this is weird. Because like before the accident, I wasn't like ripped or anything, but I had abs. So I'm like, why does my stomach look like this? And I f it feels like this. So you still look jacked, by the way. Thank <laughs> you. Uh, but uh, so like I'm feeling my lower ribs. I'm like, I can't feel them. Like this is weird. And then. And so then right away, that muscle gave out basically. Right away, that muscle gave instant. out. Wow. It was, it was so crazy. So it was instant like that. And then I, I'm looking around, like I'm feeling my stomach and I see this lady, this white lady crying. I'm like, what, what's, why is she crying? Like what's going on? So I couldn't hear it cause I ride with earplugs because it's good. It's uh, the wind, the wind noise is very loud and it damages your ears. So a lot of riders, um, a lot of like people ride Harleys, they have like tendonitis years gone. So I always rode with earplugs. I was very big on safety. Like when I crashed, I was full gear, had a uh, jacket, like pants, shoes, like a uh, helmet, everything. So I took out, took off my helmet, took out my earplugs. And then as like, this was all happening very fast. So like, as this was going on, I realized like, oh, something's wrong. And I can't, I can't get my bike. I can't move. And then she called the, she called the ambulance and uh, they came for me and all that. Yeah. It's crazy. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like it. you did an amazing job though. Uh, just describing everything and, and having that memory, you know, a lot of times yeah. people, well, go ahead. well, the crazy thing is I never lost consciousness. During the whole process, I never lost consciousness. So that's why like, I have a pretty good memory of it. The only thing I don't remember is how me and the bike separated. Because the bike right. went that way and I went straight. You described it a little in the YouTube video as like every time you bounced on the ground, you, you know, yeah. you saw black and yeah. then you, you'd look up, you'd see the sky and then yeah. black again every time, you know. So it was like in and out kind of. So, so yeah, I had a concussion. So yeah. that might have been, the, that might have been um, why I don't remember that moment. But um, that... I'm, so I remember almost like 95% of the whole accident. And then where my memory stops is right before surgery. So like, um, I was in the hospital. I remember them cutting off my clothes cause they, I don't know it's what they had to do. And I remember that. And then the last thing I remember is my body was violently shaking. I don't know what it was. Like my body went to shock or I don't know what happened, but that's the last thing I remember. And then I woke up like hours later in a bed, a hospital bed. 
Yeah, you said uh, you have a YouTube channel, right? Yeah, yeah. You do you up, do you update it frequently? I haven't, but I should because I know a lot of people like to see it and like to see. What it. are your handles so the audience can check you guys? Check it's you just out. Just my name. Okay. I think I think it's my name, Salah Muhammad. Salah Muhammad. S A L L A H M O H A M. All them. You got a decent amount of subscribers. A little more than us. Yeah. <laughs> that comment section was popping. A lot of yeah. people were like, "Wow, this is so yeah. inspirational." Thank you for posting. They want to yeah. learn more. That's why I, I want to post more because. Uh, I know, like, well, the reason I actually post video because, so, th- well, the 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 that video because people always ask me what happened and they want to know, so I just put a link right on my Instagram so people know and they don't always ask me because I was getting asked all the time. Who asks? Is it like everyone when Family, you're in public? Friends, public, everyone. Do you like that or do you prefer people not ask? No, it's okay because I've I've I know how to tell the quick story, the quick version now, so I don't mind it. It's just if I'm trying to do something. But most of the time, no, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty open to it. Like uh, I know people, people with disabilities, like they have a general feeling like they don't get, get asked sometimes about it. But I'm very open with everything. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually like a lot of people don't like like a lot of people with disabilities don't like this. But like how they get treated after their, yeah. after their, I actually like it because like it's different for me because I was before my accident I was just some young Arab kid, and no one really. It's, it's like you're just some young normal Arab kid. Like people don't really give you special treatment, but after my accident, everyone's nice to me. Yeah. It's, so it's it's kind of cool. I like it. Seems like you're very passionate also about like uh, you know sharing your story and inspiring yeah. other people. You had a talk at Woodworth a few months oh, ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at a uh, a teacher, um, Selwa. She was on the other podcast I was on, and uh, yeah, she asked me to come talk to her school, and it was cool because it's just to teach the just to teach kids about it because like you know like you're young like i mean before my accident i didn't really know anything about disabilities and especially young young kids like so it's probably it was just good for them to see um because like it's good for them to see someone like me who's yemeni because it was yemeni school who's yemeni and has a disability so like i have like cards stacked against me so if i can do it they could do it absolutely absolutely like going to school or whatever it is it doesn't have to be going to school or getting a regular job but if I can do that, they can do whatever. I like how you try to maintain that positivity, and you you show it on your Instagram page. You you, um, I did some digging, and you showed videos of you praying before the accident. Yeah, you know, yeah. you would always post that and, and promote that, and then even after your accident, you yeah. show that gratitude and and gratefulness. What do you think allows you to stay this positive? I think it's a lot of different things. Um, one is Islam, my religion. I'm, I try to be as religious as I can. I mean, we, we all try to. But uh, we're not perfect, of course. Um, that and how I was raised. I was always raised to like be positive and never look towards the negative, and um, just surround myself with good people. So like those are like the biggest things. Is like whenever you're going through something, is like surround yourself with good people, keep a positive mindset. I'll try to keep a positive mindset and like um, have faith in something. I mean, for me it's Islam, but for other people, it's whatever. But uh, those were one of my biggest things and. Uh, and if just if you're going through stuff, like talk to people. That's what I do. I always talk. I never bo- let my emotions bottle up. I never did that. Is yeah. that something uh, you realized like after the accident or before your whole life, basically? It's kind of my whole life because I always say what's on my mind. Like to, it's actually sometimes to my fault, to my detriment. Yeah. Like I'll just say whatever, and sometimes it gets me in trouble. But it's um, it's always been something like it's that's what I've always done, and I've I've noticed it more after my accident because like a lot of more emotional things and. The, the big hurdle was the mental battle of that whole thing. That's like the biggest hurdle. And then going through that, I learned so much about talking to people and just, um, 
yeah, talking to people and just like letting my emotions out. And I want to know more about that mental battle that, yeah. that you that you face because you know I can't imagine like being and, and you were an athletic person. Yeah, yeah. You know, you you were always ex- exercising and adrenaline junkie, uh, taking care of yourself, all of that, and then being in the hospital for how many months? Two and then, months. Yeah, that whole transition. So tell us about that mental battle that you faced while in the hospital, so coming to that realization. It actually wasn't as bad in the hospital because so accident happens um of course it was emotional and stuff like i would i would there would be days you'd cry and stuff like that you'd be because you're um obviously the what happened is such a big change in your life and you're seeing all your friends and family and like they're sad too and uh actually the first time i cried it's weird the first time i cried wasn't when i saw my family it was when i saw my my two my two closest friends when i saw them that's when like i broke down i don't know what it was but Cause I grew up with these guys or something, but like when I saw my family, but I don't know, something about my friends, I don't know, they may just made me cry, but the mental battle, it was, so in the hospital, it was easy cause you're always getting taken care of. It wasn't, I'm not saying it was easy, but like it was the real world, the real mental battle was outside the hospital. Yeah. So in the two months in the hospital, you're learning how to become independent and learn how to live a new lifestyle. Cause you have to learn everything over again, learn how to eat, brush your teeth, just even sitting in the chair. Yeah, so there's a lot of milestones that you're experiencing again. Yeah, because like you got to imagine like after. So in the first two weeks of the of the accident, I didn't move. I was just like in the hospital bed on pain meds. I didn't eat. I lost 25 pounds in the first two weeks, and it took me like I think a year to put it back on, or something like that. It was it took me a long time, but um. So I the first two weeks lost a bunch of weight. Was on pain. Was on basically a bunch of pain meds and stuff like that, and then the. After the first two weeks, I got transferred to RIM Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan. It's in it's in uh, Detroit. So you did rehab, not not physical therapy. It was, no, it's it's rehab, physical therapy, occupational therapy. Okay. Yeah. So you do okay. physical and occupational. Okay. And um, so I went to RIM, did physical occupational therapy, and I learned how to live my new life there. And they did a pretty good job. They set you up with the tools to leave the hospital, and then from there, it's when the real battle begins because that's where. You're not with medical professionals. You're just with your fr- your family, your friends, and you're in this house that's not wasn't really made for you. You're dealing with a wheelchair. You're you're changing your ba- the bathroom, just putting a ramp in. So it, there's all that stuff, and it's just like the first six months were the hardest because you're just like you don't you don't know what's going on in life. You, you, like my whole life view changed after that. Like I didn't know. So so you were going to this place actively. Brim, uh, yeah. Brim um, is Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan. It's a inpatient. You can do. They do outpatient therapy, but it's, it was. Uh, it's a huge inpatient hospital. So, I was there for a month and a half. Um, they were taking care of me completely. Like they were feeding me, teaching me how to shower, like teach me everything, like how to use the bathroom, physical. Like so, I would wake. Like I think five or six days a week, I would have physical and occupational therapy. So it was an hour and a half of physical and an hour and a half of uh, occupational. It's a lot. It's a lot of therapy, but it's what you need to. So you're not in the hospital forever. So they they teach you as much as they can in that short amount of time. So when you leave the hospital, you you can be you can have the tools to become independent. And when you leave the hospital, you got to practice yeah. on those tools. And okay, so I want to switch a little bit from. I, I know there were some physical things that we talked about, but I want to yeah. switch over from the mental to the physical now. Okay. Uh, you know, the physical part of your recovery. Yeah. Uh, how did it feel getting up from your wheelchair for the first time? Yeah, I, I actually never been asked that. That's a really good question. I remember the first time sitting in a, in a, in a wheelchair. It wasn't this one. It was a, uh, I was so dizzy. 
because I was laying down for two weeks, two two straight weeks, laying down, like not even barely sitting up half the time. But and then when the first time I got in the wheelchair, I was dizzy. They had to lean me back because one of those because it, it's common. So they have these chairs. It's um it's not designed for you to propel yourself. It's designed to be pushed, and they have a tilt. So they tilt you so your head flows back to your your blood flows back to your head and you you become conscious or more conscious. So the first time I sat up in a wheelchair, I was very dizzy. Um, and then the, it was a physical therapist. She leaned me back. And then they basically gave me a tour of the facility of REM. And uh, they just explained what was going to happen. It was, a very, it was an intro to what was going on. And, yeah, it was just felt it felt so different. It was because I've never been in a wheelchair before. Yeah. At this facility in at REM, did you meet other people who had similar injuries or, yeah. or anyone else like I that? I met a lot of people, and I, st- I still, like, talk to them, like, a lot frequently. Yeah, it was a lot, I met a lot of great people there, a lot. I don't know if you know any data on motorcycle injuries or um, anything like that, but it seems like uh, it might be more common among that population who tends to ride. Yes. Uh, uh, yeah, so it goes, like, I think for spinal cord injuries – um, and the Detroit area is a little bit different because of the, the gun violence, but I think one or two is gun violence and then car accident and motorcycle accident. I see. Okay. So it, it, it is, uh, it is common. I met like two or three other people who had motorcycle accidents with spinal cord injuries. Yeah. So it just, unfortunately it goes hand in hand. Like yeah. it's cause motorcycles are, they're like, they're death machines sometimes. Yeah. Would you, looking back, would you have not, like, used motorcycles, or would you advise people not to use motorcycles? I would definitely advise not to. I can't I can't morally advise someone to get on a motorcycle. It's just I, it's something I can't do. There's, uh, you know, a little play on words that my mom used to always uh, tell us yeah. to encourage us not to use motorcycles. She says, mot or cycle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you uh, know, mot in Arabic means death. death yeah. So, uh, yeah, she did, that, that was enough to deter me from... From using motorcycles, but I mean these things happen. Like motorcycle or not, I, I yeah. know I know a doctor who uh, was in residency. I uh, just finished uh, orthopedic surgery residency, mm-hmm. and he was uh, diving in water, and you know he wasn't doing any crazy flips or anything, um, and he had, I think it was his thoracic spine um, that he injured, mm-hmm. so he was like he's a quadriplegic now, uh, Doctor Okanami. So. Yeah. He has a very inspirational stories uh, as well. Yeah, like they can happen from anything. Yeah, that diving is actually a common one for quadriplegics. Um, I, yeah, I know I, one of my friends. He's, he, he was he was diving, hit a rock, and then someone else I know was diving and hit a sandbar. So, be careful when you dive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you can yeah, never plan for these things. Yeah, don't. Yeah, don't go head first. Tell us a little bit about like uh, your exercise uh, routine and how that changed. Uh, just the things that you used to do. Are there some things that you um, that that you gave up doing uh, after after your accident, or how do you still maintain that semblance of your your identity yeah, in spite so of all the change? Before I used to like to run. I loved running, and uh, so for me, the next best thing for. Uh, like people ask me, like, are you getting a, like one of those hand wheelchairs that like you push? I'm like, no, because those those are like that's too much damage on your shoulders. So I, I looked into hand cycling, and that's Wait, like. Can, that's can you explain? Can you explain that a little bit? A hand cycle? No, no, the the wheelchair before. So like the wheel, the other wheelchair, the sports wheelchair is what you probably see a lot in like the Paralympics. 
it's like it's us it's a wheelchair like mine but it's more designed for like speed okay. so it's a it's actually three wheels so it's a it's two regular wheels on, on the side and they're they're can they're at a crazy camber angle okay. and then um the big there's another wheel that's like five feet in front of you so it's like a tricycle but it's just made for speed so you push and it goes really fast the way it's designed wow. it goes very fast i mean i never use one of those but what i use is a hand cycle it's basically a bicycle for people who can't use their legs so it's it's kind of like an upside down bicycle so it's everything that's like with your hands so you pedal with your hands you brake with your hands and you turn with your hands everything's with your hands that's cool and it's it's cool like uh the one i have uh i like to do i well, what i work up to during the summer because like obviously it's cold right now i can't really ride but i work i try to work up to what well, my goal is the summer over the summer is gonna be like 20 30 miles a day wow that's a lot. Yeah, it's a, but I like it because it's just, I just love being outside and like just, it's a great workout. So you're getting a lot of workouts in your arms. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How about your legs? Could you do you. Nothing. For in terms of muscles. So what I do actually for my legs, actually, yeah, you're right. I use, I have a standing frame at home. So like I tried to stand on my standing frame every night for, so what a standing frame is, is like, um, it's something that allows you to stand. So I transfer from my wheelchair to, same frame then i jack myself up like you know like a car jack okay so yeah. i use the same system you use the hydraulics and you push yourself up to where you're standing so there's like a brace in the front that locks your legs and then there's the whole back thing that stands you up like you're that one doctor yeah, yeah yeah it's like that gotcha so um i use i try to stand on that every night for one to two hours uh i don't i don't get to every night because i work and go to school but um yeah so that that actually helps keep my bone density like uh, it helps with bone density, muscle. Like if you look at my legs compared to like a lot of paraplegic legs or people who are born paralyzed, um, my legs are kind of meaty as opposed to them. Like it's skinnier than my legs before. There's, a, there's many reasons for that because before my accident, I had big legs that so I used to run and work out a lot. And then after my accident, I, 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 stand, I use the same frame like almost every night. So that's what keeps like a lot of my like leg health there. Because if you don't do that, it's not... You'd like to get very weak and you can break them very easily. So, alhamdulillah, I haven't broken anything yet. That. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how long do you stand on the standing frame and uh, how well, does it feel when you're when you're doing it? Like, is it a lot of strain on your body overall? It's actually like it relieves uh, some of the strain. Because, like, I'm always sitting down, like, crunching okay. this chair. Yeah. Because, like, my, my chair is designed for me, so it's, like, tight. And, uh, but... It's 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 it has it has to serve multiple purposes. It's, it's not like the perfect sitting still chair where you can just relax all the time. So like my back does get does hurt after a while sitting in it. But like the standing frame, I can I usually stand in there from one to two hours. Like if it's a weekend, I'll stand in there for for like two hours or more because like it's a work week. I'll only do like an hour. Yeah. Uh, another but, physical. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying, like, yeah, that, that's what I do. To, uh, Last question about the standing frame. Yeah. What do you do while you're in that oh, standing so position? There's different things. So it's got, like, a tray. So I could, like, be on my laptop, be on my phone. Or okay. usually I'm in the living room, so I'm with my family. So I, I talk to my family or I'll or I'll put a movie on because it's, it's in the living room. So it's, like, instead of having, like, a big chair. Because I, when, I when I first came back, I got a big chair for me to sit in. But the hospital, actually, the hospital is the one who gave me the standing frame. So it was really nice of them. Yeah, it was because they had like a, they had a bunch of them. They had one lying around, and they donated to me. It was really cool because like those things are very expensive. They're like, I think on the low end, two thousand, and the, wow. they ranged. They go up from there. I'm interested in learning more about like the marathons that you. Oh been. yeah, yeah. How yeah. are those? 
I've done one. I wanted to do more. So I did one in 2019. The next year was COVID. And then did the a marathon? Year, yeah, I decided the Detroit Free Press Marathon. Okay. So you guys know what that is? I think I've heard of it's it. The, it's the big, like, you know, like there's like the Boston. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's the one in Detroit. Like okay. they're all like, the, I think they're all somewhat related, but um, the, the marathon is 26.2 miles. And I, when I competed in that, like that, there's actually a cool story behind that. So I was, uh, after, once I got my hand cycle, and I, I, signed up, I signed up for the marathon because I was trained towards that. And the hand cycle I had wasn't really a speed bike or wasn't designed for long distance riding. It was, just a, rec it was a cross between a, a, like a racer and a recreational bike. So it, it wouldn't have it been that good for the marathon. It would have been really rough, actually, because after doing the marathon, I realized it would have been very rough. But I told my friend's dad that I signed up for a marathon. And once he found that out, he kind of went like behind my back and talked because he knew I worked out at Planet Fitness. So he kind of went behind my back and talked to them, and he convinced them to, uh, like, I never asked for this. I never even knew. This was just totally out of the blue. He, like, talked to them, told them my story, and he's, they're like, shut up. We, we've heard enough. We'll, uh, we'll do whatever we can to help this kid. So just tell us what we can do. And then, like, he was asking me all these weird questions, like, how tall I am, what's my weight, and, like, what kind of, what kind of hand cycles are cool ones or stuff like that. Like, all these weird questions. And then, like, While at Planet later, Fitness? Yeah, like, well, like he would text me like from time to time because this was happening over like oh, yeah. this was happening over the course of time, like two months or something. Because these bikes aren't like they're not mass produced; they're custom made to you. So he was asking me like, how tall I am, what's my weight, that kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't know why he's asking me this. It's just my friends that like, why, why are you asking me that? But then like two months later, I come to I come to Plant Fitness one day, and there's like news cameras, <laughs> three different news stations. I'm like, what is going on? Oh there's my a god! Shiny new bike, and it's got like Planet Fitness stickers on it, and then. And then I got that bike, and that's what I used to compete in the marathon. How did you feel like during with all that publicity and? Oh, it, it was it was very shocking, um, but it, it it was nice. It was a great experience. I mean, it was it was really cool to see like the gym I worked out at like did that for me. That's awesome, man. Really cool. And going back to like the inspiration, you know, you wanting to inspire yeah. people. Uh, I was reading an article about you, you know, uh, engaging in the marathon, and then yeah. uh, you you. Um, just by like mentioning it to your neighbor or something like that, you kind of convinced him to join. Uh, also do a half marathon, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so I think my, yeah, my neighbor's wife might have done it. Yeah. I talked to different people and I convinced a lot of people to do the, the marathon with me. Like that, that year I competed in the marathon. I competed with, I did it with my coach, my old cross country coach, uh, my cousin and one of my cross country friends. So like yeah, I told I'm trying to I, tr I always try to convince a lot of people to do the marathon, but um, yeah, it's just it's just a fun thing to do with your friends. It's just, it's yeah. a great experience, and that one was like the best. Especially when you get close to the end and like everybody's cheering yeah, you on. Yeah, you know, yeah. I saw that video. That was yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, that was really cool. That's awesome. So we're talking about like you using a bike for recreational activities and yeah. just having fun. Uh, but just how about your day to day life? About going from A to B. Um, so usually during the during the week, so the work week, I, I go to school and I work. So I work at a company, and I'm a design engineer at this company. Uh, Thermolift, that's the name of it. It's a HVAC startup. We're working on a pretty cool machine that's, uh, if it goes into production, it, it's going to change the HVAC, HVAC industry. But I work uh, usually 8 to 5, and then on two days of the week, I have school. So like Tuesday and Thursday. So I, it's cool because my work works around my schedule, and I, I work in between my classes sometimes. So... Thursdays I have a gap, so I work in between. But so like Mon Monday through Friday I work five days a week. But on Tuesdays and Thursdays I work and go to school. 
Gotcha. So pretty busy. Yeah. So are you commuting to school? I drive everywhere. Okay. I drive too much. I drive from where I live to uh, to work to to my job in Novi, and then from Novi to Ypsilanti, and then Ypsilanti like back home. So it's just like a lot of driving. Tell us about that transition of driving a car with your legs oh, yeah. to operating the car with your yeah, hands. I, so like it took me actually two years to actually get a car and get a license because there's a lot of things you got to go through before you can start driving again. Right. So if you do it the proper way. Because some people, they just get back in their car and they they do it, uh, like, they, they don't do it the right way. Because, like, after a huge medical accident, you have to get, like, re-licensed or something. Yeah. So, there was, like, I had to go through a few different steps. So, first, when I was out of the hospital, I, I was in a brace. So, I had to get out of that. So, that took, like, I think it was supposed to be, like, six months or something. I took it off early because it was just annoying. Um, this brace was for your neck? For like, because I broke my chest, like this whole area, so my whole sternum. So when I had my oh, accident, okay. I broke my sternum, two ribs, and like three vertebrae in my back, and I shifted my spinal cord, my spine. So my whole torso was basically broken. So I was in a, a brace for like, I think like a, I was supposed to be in it for like a year after my accident, but I took it off really early. Can't just, imagine how much, how good it felt probably taking it, it off. Just, it was just too annoying. But, um, so, wait, where are we going? I'm sorry, where are we going? We're talking about driving. Uh, oh, driving. Okay, yeah, my bad, my bad. Driving. Um, so I had to get that off first, and then I had to. Uh, you have to. It's a little process, but I had to because um, it's very expensive to to learn how to drive again, especially for me. So it's a, it's like a two thousand or probably more now class because you're with. It's very in, like in like personal training, so you're. You're not just getting trained from a regular driving instructor. She, this driving instructor knows how to like drive, also drive with hand controls, and she's an occupational therapist. Oh, so gotcha. it's it's not like a normal thing. So I had to get taught how to drive with hand with hand controls. So how the hand control works, it's a brake. You, you well, it's different in every hand control, but for mine, it's I I swivel down for a brake. No, I put I swivel down for gas and I push for brake, and then to steer, I have my other hand and I have a Call it suicide knob, but it goes on your steering wheel and it's just some bolted and I could just turn with one hand and gas and brake with the other hand. But um yeah, the whole driving process took a very long because I had to go through like this thing called MRS, which is Michigan Rehab Services, and it helps people with disabilities get back to work and whatever they gotta do to get you working again, they'll help you do like they'll help pay for school, get, help you get a license again, so they'll pay for the hand controls, the Is this for physical disabilities primarily or does it have or for intellectual or other kinds of I don't know how I don't know if you would know. I don't know how it exactly works for intellectual, but I think it's, I know it's disabilities because they're, okay. they're Michigan Rehab Services. So I think it may even go beyond disabilities. Okay. But they, because like the whole logic behind it is Michigan makes, needs to make money off of you. So they're going to they make money, more money off of you if you work because the, the statistics for people who become disabled, like for them to go back to work, it's like significantly low. It's like, I think around 10 to 30% of people with disabilities like go back to work. Okay. So they do what they can so they can make money off of you basically. They pay your taxes. So they helped me uh, uh, get drive, uh, uh, learn how to drive again, get modifications for my, my car, and they help pay for my school. So they modify your car basically? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah, it's whatever modifications they uh, you need, they'll do it. So how did I have to pay for anyway? It's expensive. I honestly wanted to talk a little bit about your family dynamics and uh, your friends and if anything's changed after your accident. 
uh, it did, but it got better. Okay. Because it actually got like, all my relationships actually strengthened after my accident. Like my friends, I became close with my friends, became closer with my uh, with my family. Like, like the conversations they they took they went to a different level because they had to go through all the stuff with me. So it was a lot of emotional stuff, like very deep conversations and. And I had to talk to them more because I was going through all this. So they had to help me do stuff physically. And they had to help me with, like, when I was emotional, I would talk to them. It, they were always nice to reach out to. So everything actually, like, all my relationships got better. And then after that, like, I realized you never know when you're going to die. So after, like, right after my accident, I called, like, almost everyone. I called everyone that I ever had problems with. And I made sure there was no beefs, like, no, no problems. So I, I made sure I talked to them reconnected with a lot of old friends and I just made sure I'm on a good playing field with everyone because like you don't want to go to the grave like having like dislike towards you or something so beautiful that's, that's awesome I think it's a good time to take our break uh but yeah no, this has been great okay hey everyone thank you for listening we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far if you or someone you know would be interested in being a guest on the podcast or if you have any feedback please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at dreamdearborn or on our website at dreamdearborn.org or on our email at disabilitiesproject at umich.edu. Thank you. All right, we're back from the break at Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn. Uh, we're having an episode with Salah Muhammad um, and discussing his spinal cord injury. Um, you know, this is really a story rooted in resilience and uh, uh, it's really inspirational. All you've, you. all you've accomplished and a lot of these challenges that people don't even realize that you had to go through beyond the physical uh, injury that you mm -hmm. that you experienced. Uh, so really, thank you for sharing all of this. Thank you for having me. Of course. Appreciate so it. I want to talk to you about um, the marathon mm -hmm. and um, you know your journey to uh, building up to it. Mm -hmm. um, so so just tell us a little bit about that. So. A life goal of mine was always to compete in a marathon. And then when I had my, I was actually, before the accident, I was actually training for the marathon. Because right before the accident, I actually ran a half marathon. I was building up to the full marathon. Because the half, full marathon is 26.2. I did 13.1. Wow. And then, so I did that in the summer. And that sum, after that summer, that's when I had my accident. So my thought process is I can't run a marathon now. So what's the next best thing? So hand cycling. So I got into hand cycling. I was I got my first hand cycle um, through the Kelly Brush Foundation. They they paid for the majority of it. I paid a little bit because it's just how much you apply for the grant. And if you you apply for more, they might give you more. It's just just depends on what you put on your application. So it's a grant for people with physical disabilities. Yep, to get to like it's a grant to help you get something. It's based in outdoor equipment, so something outdoor adaptive. Not necessarily outdoor, but because I know they help with a lot with wheelchair basketball, but. Some adaptive sports equipment to get you to do sports again. Okay. So I applied for that. I got it. Um, they gave me a, a good amount of money, so I got my first hand cycle. And then from there, I started riding almost every day to train for this marathon. So I trained about six, average five to six days a week. And I was building up to, a I was building up to 30 miles because the marathon, I actually rode a little bit more than that sometimes, but... The marathon is 26.2 and to when you train for any race i learned this back in cross country is you want to be able to do whatever race you're doing you want to be able to do a lot more than that so you can do that race fast so i would train i'd build up to it so eventually i got to the point where i was running i was 
hand cycling around 25 to 30 miles a day. That was like my average. And just doing that every day built up a lot of arm strength, a lot of cardio, and it got me well prepared for the marathon. Do you think that mindset of always going above and beyond from cross country, um, that part of your mentality, do you think that prepared you to be resilient? I think a lot of things did. Uh, sports, for sure, because I didn't just, I did a lot of sports. I did, uh, I wrestled, cross country, soccer, um, track, track, yeah. track was a big one. Um, but it also being brought up uh, Muslim and Arabic, so especially in a country that's not, especially yeah. in the city I live, it's all it's mostly white people. So you're getting brought up in a different environment, and uh, you, so you just have like the early years of my life. That I, I I would say the f up to middle school is when I experienced like a, a decent amount of racism, but after that, like I mean, things got better because just as time went on, the city and stuff got better. But like you just build up like through different life experiences, I built up a, like a very strong mentality. So I had very thick skin. Like you can't. It's very hard to offend me, and um, so just the different experiences like growing up Muslim, growing up Arab. Doing sports, being surrounding yourself with good people. I just always had a pretty strong, alhamdulillah, pretty strong mind. And it just it carried over into my accident. It helped me progress a lot during my accident. Yeah, that, that's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. And um, I think a lot of people can learn from that, just having thick skin, not letting uh, things get to you. And, you know, building that endurance and, and capacity is, is very important. So the Kelly Brush Foundation, going back to that, yeah. they basically provided you with this bike. Uh -huh. um, and... On the break, we talked a little bit about this, uh, but there was another accident involved in that. Oh yeah, so after I got the first, after I got the first bike, then the Planet Fitness bike, like I told you guys earlier, I got that and I competed in the marathon. And then the next year, I was trying to train for the next. So then I couldn't compete in the next marathon because 2020 that was COVID. And then 2021, I was tr trying to compete in that marathon, but then as I was training for that marathon, it was actually like probably like two weeks before the marathon, two or three weeks before the marathon. I was on my way home, and I was on a bike path, pretty open bike path, and this lady wasn't paying attention. She turned and smoked my, smoked, smoked me on my hands like a But alhamdulillah, it was just my front feet. So my, I, I didn't really feel any damage, but my feet got messed up a little bit. But they're all right, no broken bones or anything. Just, oh just like, like bru a lot of bruising. Like my, one of my feet swelled up really bad to where every time I put on shoes, I got a little dizzy because I, I obviously can't feel what's going on, but sometimes. There's this thing called autonomic dysreflexia. What it is is from your level of injury, from below the level of injury, if there's something bothering you, you don't, there's like a, there's a basically disconnect of where you have your, uh, between your brain and like the rest of your body at the break at the, so what autonomic dysreflexia is, is um, so if there's something below your level of injury that's bothering you, you're gonna find out in some different way. Like you'll get a headache, you'll start sweating, or there's different there's different things that can cause that. It's like kind of similar to phantom pain in a way. Phantom I pain? Uh, really. I, I wouldn't say phantom pain is. Uh, the doctor is nodding his head no. <laughs> <laughs> no, phantom pain is where it's it's not real pain. Like you think you're feeling it. Like so, if my legs were like hurting me mentally, that's like phantom pain. Gotcha. Okay. And I used to not get phantom pain in the, in the beginning, but I would like phantom feeling so i would think i'm feeling my legs but i wasn't really so where where would you feel it instead of your you you said you would feel it so, somewhere else so like when i was putting on my shoes that like a lot of times I, like i was getting really dizzy so i, I realized every time i put on my shoes because my foot was so swollen and my my shoe it would be really hard to I would push really hard but it wasn't good because i was hurting myself but um 
I would like feel a lot in my head, but sometimes like if I, for example, if I need to use the bathroom really bad, like I'll sweat a lot. Cause I, I usually don't sweat in general, like in much, um, even before my accident, but I don't sweat that much. But um, when I sweat, I know there's something wrong. Like I know I have to go to the bathroom, but if I'm like, if my head's bothering me, like I know either some, there's something wrong. There's always something wrong. And your body lets you know in different ways. Is that how you know that you have to use the restroom or do you like no, plan I, out? I plan it. So like okay. every, I, I try to do every four hours. Gotcha. And then um, before I sleep, I don't, they, you're supposed to wake up and do it, but I don't do it. I'm, I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night just to use the bathroom. So what I do is I just don't drink too much water before I sleep. And I use the bathroom right before so I don't have to wake up in the middle of the night. And I'll just sleep through the whole night. Yeah. Uh, another question just on the snow that I thought about. Um, have your dietary habits changed at all after the accident? A little bit. Yeah. Well, initially after the accident, I couldn't eat sweets for some reason. I don't know if it's because I hit my head really hard, but I couldn't eat anything sweet for like two months. Like it just bothered me. But my, yeah, definitely my diet changed. Like I can't eat too much like processed food because like I'll get like, um, what's the word that starts to see? Uh, you get, you get con constipated. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll get constipated if I eat too much like dry food or like processed food. If I eat too much of it, yeah. and the other thing is if I eat too much like red meat, I'll the opposite will happen. It'll just go right through me. Wow. So like I gotta really monitor what I eat. Well, not too much, but just just stay a little more balanced and, and you never had this issue when before no. okay not at all no interesting yeah okay going back again to the kelly brush uh grant that you were yeah. able to get uh can you walk us through um like the application process and and you know uh yeah so is it many people winning the award is it just one and i don't know the the limit but they do they grant as the foundation has grown over time I grant more and more people with it because like a lot of people know about it and they give back to it. Like I've donated back to it because it helped me. So why not help others? That's nice. So the the process is like, it's like a general application for like any like grant. And then you write like a paper and I think you also make a video and then you just say like why you're basically saying, cause it's not like they're not just giving you money. Just they don't even give you like cash. It's a it's check that goes straight to the, wherever you're buying the equipment. So what it is, it, it's they help you get back into physical like sports activity, something like that. So you tell them like, why do you want like, for example, for a hand cycle, like, why do I want a hand cycle? Because I want to be active again. I want to enjoy the outdoors. I just I want to do something because there wasn't really anything for me to do. There was there was really nothing adaptive sport wise that I wanted to do other than hand cycling. Like, there's there's a bunch of adaptive sports, but I wasn't really interested in them. I just wanted to hand cycle because I just love being outside and working out and like that kind of way of uh, doing it. But um, it wasn't too crazy of a, of a application process, but I just, you just gotta be honest and truthful. And that's, that's what I was. Any good trails that you like to go on? Around where I live specifically, there's a bunch of trails. Okay. So awesome. there's probably like the way it's connected cause it's connected to the Metro parks, like lower Huron, Willow Metro, Huron Metro, like that area. So it's probably like, and then it goes to Lake Erie. So it's probably like a hundred miles of biking. Uh -huh. Awesome. It's all connected and intertwined. So have beyond you met anybody on those trails, sorry. Yeah, I have met. Yeah, I've met. I have met people. Yeah, like a a bunch of. I've met a bunch of old people. They like to bike a lot. Um, but like, yeah, I've, I met some people. Yeah, it's you nice. Ride with any of them? Um, no, not like random people. Like I'll ride my sister sometimes or my friends, but um, a lot of them, they, a lot of them can't keep up. 
But uh, one books. of my friends, one of my friends can't keep. He's very athletic. One of my friends can always keep up, but a lot of like, everyone else they have trouble. Um, you also mentioned Hawkeye Foundation. Oh, the, yeah, the Hawkeye Foundation is similar to the Kelly Brush. Um, it's similar to that, but uh, that's I actually wrote like a, I remember I wrote a pretty in depth paper, and they they basically want us uh, know like how it can help with whatever situation you're in. But it's very similar to the Kelly Brush, but it's just a different one. And they're not as big and well known, but they are helpful. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Are there any challenges that you face on a day to day basis or that you faced after your injury that people probably don't expect or that you want to bring attention to? Um, I guess um, it depends. So it's, it's basically just being in the wheelchair and like access to things. Like sometimes there's like stairs or getting into doorways is kind of hard. But it's just uh, the phys- just being physical in a wheelchair. It's just it requires a lot more physicality because like you're, it, you're you're doing a lot of movements, and on top of that, like with my, with me specifically, because I had an injury that made me paralyzed. So it's like I'm dealing with like a lot of pain. I'm always in pain, and then like just going through the day with like physical pain, and then like doing all this stuff. It doesn't. It it just keeps stacking up on top of each other. So there's a lot of physical pain, and then like simple things like shoes in the way, like stuff stuff on the ground. That's the kind of stuff that gets annoying. Like if there's like or like around like if I go places like there's like a something on the ground like a tool or when I'm at work I have to get someone to move something like that kind of stuff. But Alhamdulillah in America like things are designed like thank God for the uh, for the AD, uh, ADA. ADA yeah they've done a lot of good work and made things more accessible. So yeah, there's definitely still work that needs to be done. Yeah, that's uh, true. But, you know, it's it's like these small challenges that people don't really think about. They might yeah. see a shoe there and it doesn't bother them, but well, it's it's very problematic and could be, you know, almost catastrophic for someone if the wheelchair maybe flips over or something. Well, yeah, stuff like that. How about people, like, opening the doors for you and stuff like that? Does that make you feel any way? I like it, honestly, because okay. it just makes my life easier. I know a lot of people with disabilities don't like it. I've heard that a lot, but me personally, I like it because it just makes it easier for me. But, like... Certain things you shouldn't do with people in like wheelchairs, like push them, like that's something you gotta ask about. Like of course, of that. course, yeah. Because now you're like actually like you're interacting with them physically. But like opening doors always, is, I think everyone always likes that because I can open doors, but it's just harder. But I can I can do it. But opening doors is a good one that you can always do. How has traveling been? Have you ever gone on any like vacations after the injury? I did actually. Um, Last year, uh, last year or two years ago, I went to uh, my first time. It was actually being on a plane like for years because the last time I was on a plane was the last time I went to Yemen before that. But I went to California with my friends. So, but the good thing is uh, the thing about going so with my friends, it made it easy because like I have strong friends and they're all like got, like young guys like me. So if there was any difficulty, they would literally just pick me up because like I when I went to go when I went to California, we stayed with a friend. And he had a three-story, like, um, like a condo or, like, townhouse. I don't know what it would be called, but it was three stories. So it was the basement, uh, up, like, a middle floor and a third floor. So they, they would carry me wherever I needed to go. And, and that, that helped out a lot. But um, there's, like, different stuff. Like, when you go to the airport, they push you if you need to. And then they have a transfer chair. You transfer into, a, like, an aisle seat, and they take you to your seat. So, I mean, it wasn't too bad. It, my friends made it way easier. But if, if you're by yourself... There's different things you can do. I would do a lot of planning, a lot of research. Yeah, that's like one thing I've I've really incorporated in my life after my accidents. I I try to plan for everything. Like before I, this trip, 
I would talk to like one, uh, my friend who lived there like uh, like once a week, like two or three months before the trip, just make sure everything's good. Like I had the things over there that I need and we just talk and make sure everything is good. Just so I, cause I never traveled before that and I just want to make sure I was good. I had everything covered. And like if it's, if the house is like disability accessible and stuff like that. Yeah. Or well, his house is definitely not. Accessible. Yeah, of course. But, of course. Um, it would be nice we if we made it work. It would be nice to go to the beach. Yeah, we did actually. Yeah, yeah. We, we went to, uh, we went to the beach. Um, we went to San Francisco. Nice. He stayed, he was, he stayed in Silicon Valley cause he works out there. So we went to uh, San Francisco, San Jose, just around the whole Bay Area. It was nice. California is really nice. How was your swimming experience? I haven't actually swam yet. Okay. Like I've I've gone on the water, but with, I have to learn how to swim because it's um it's such a different experience. Because like I went in the water with a life jacket, but it's just like I couldn't even balance myself. Because like so I'm paralyzed from the chest down, so I don't have a, I don't have a lot of balance. So yep. like, balance for me is very hard. Like, the only thing that's keeping me upright, like. It's my chair right now because like if i don't if i'm not in this chair i'll be like hunched over because gotcha. i don't have like abdominals so i don't like you don't realize but your abs is what uh there's a lot of balance like when you're working awesome. out too like when i work out like sometimes i have to strap myself to the bench because i'll fall over so you still bench been, as well i uh i there's different benches but like i'll do if i'm doing bench with dumbbells i'll go lighter weight because it's the balance is hard but what i usually do if i bench i go on the smith machine okay uh, I do that, and uh, but mostly when I work out, I, I like to focus on back, just to strengthen my back. I wish there's like portable. Uh, I wish there's like portable ramps and stuff that you can take with you. That would be nice. Is there something like that? There or is. Not? Like, I mean, they're not. I mean, they're not say portable, but like, like foldable. You know, you yeah, can put but on stairs. But and they're stuff. big. That's yeah, the yeah, exactly. Like I have one like at my sister's house. Like it's a six foot ramp. You take it around. I just leave it there at hers, but like, um, yeah, but like that one, I mean, it's lightweight, it's aluminum, but it's just, it's just still big because it's a six foot ramp. It folds up into three feet, but it's it's still big. Your house is fully revamped. Not really. Cause like, um, my house was just a ranch house. So it was actually, it was all flat, but the thing that we redid was we added a ramp and then we remodeled the bathroom completely. Okay. And we made that like the whole bathroom area just bigger because just to access it. Yeah. But like alhamdulillah, my house is just all flat. It's like it's not a, it's just a regular ranch house and it just worked for me. Okay. So I want to ask you how you stay connected with your community after uh, your injury. I, I know you're so close to your friends, but mm-hmm. particularly wheelchair users. Are you close to them? Is, is it a tight knit community? Yeah, so there's like uh, there's a lot of good Facebook groups. Um, I'm part of two. Like one is a hand cycle group. I forgot their name, but the other the other main group that I really like stay in touch with is Spinal Cord Injury Group USA. Spinal Cord, yeah, Spinal Cord Injury Group USA. They're a very good Facebook group because you got a, a bunch of people who went through spinal cord injuries or people who are related to someone with spinal cord injuries. You can just like talk and be open there about like your disabilities and like. They instantly get it because they're going through some, something similar to the way you're going through. So, like, a lot of times you'll say something and, like, uh, not like uh, able-bodied people won't understand it. But, like, they'll instantly get it. So, it's a nice group to, like, reach out to, like, about anything. Like, if you want advice, I, I use it for a lot of it for, like, I, I ask a lot of questions because I can't ask people around me about these questions because they just won't know the answer. And so it's not something you can really Google. Yeah. Not a lot, there's not a lot, too much information out, but the groups like you talk to people and they give you real answers. It's it's amazing. That's excellent.
Yeah. You guys heard it. Say the name one more time for the Spinal Cord Group USA. Okay. Spinal Cord Injury Group USA. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, another another thing that we should you know address is any any future goals that you have. Uh, you you seem like you always set goals for yourself, yeah, and that that to. continues to push you forward yeah. and uh, helps with your resilience. So, what other future goals do you have uh, set for yourself? So, one thing is to move out and get a house. That's a big one, inshallah. And then um, I'm engaged right now, so I want to finish that whole process up and uh, get married and just I I guess my just like the the, like the traditional like family life arab like i just want to build onto that life and just be happy and um be comfortable in life and that kind of stuff like get uh increase pay over time that kind of stuff inshallah get a house um build like build a family that kind of stuff yeah with the communities that you've built, do you feel like you'd want to stay like close to home, or would yeah. you want to move away? I, I'm I'm too close to like my family. Like, you can go anywhere in this world, and like for me, like I can go anywhere, but I just won't feel. I, I don't th- feel like I won't be happy unless I'm by like my friends and family. Like for me, I just have to be. I'm just. I've always been like a family person. Like, I grew up around a bunch of my family. Like I have a pretty big family, so I couldn't go to a different state or nothing. Like I have to stay around. It's just something I have to do. Um, I, I'm sure that you're going to fulfill all those goals, uh, given all your past yeah. success and uh, your your resilience. Um, also, I know you recently got engaged, so uh, your your fiance is very lucky. Right. Also, uh, I got to finish school. Yeah, so that's yeah, yeah. you're you're almost Inshallah, done. I'll be done this year. And okay, uh, December this year. Yeah. Big year for you. Yeah, and then maybe uh, go to grad school. Who knows? But not immediately, for sure. Got to take a break. Right, right. Yeah. All right. Um, that's it from me, and I'll let Rashad take us to our dream segment. Okay, Salah, do you have any uh, comments that you'd like to add before our dream segment? No, I, uh, no, nothing yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm interested <laughs> about this dream segment. Okay, all right. So yeah. the dream segment, basically, we do it every podcast. Uh, it's the last question we ask. Uh, and the question is, what is your dream? It could be related to anything uh, for your future, for now, uh, related to disability, and it's non-related to disabilities, literally about anything. You can take a minute to think about this, mm-hmm. but... Salah, what is your dream? But I, I guess to just, I guess, have like a family and just live that kind of life. Like nothing particularly crazy. I mean, maybe in time, maybe uh, I love helping people. So that may be one thing I might uh, go down later on in my career or as a dream, like design something to help people or something to progress something in this world. So I would like to help people in some way. Um, I don't know how it's going to be, if it's going to be people in Yemen or Muslims somewhere or people with disabilities or something, but I would love to design something one day to help people in some sort of way and make people's lives easier. And just honestly just be a like a good person, good person in society and good Muslim and just a good example for people. Inshallah, if I have kids, that's that's one thing I would, because after an accident, you're, um, for men, the chance of, of having kids goes down significantly. So if I could have kids, that would be amazing. Inshallah. Inshallah you will. Inshallah. Those are very good dreams, very nice <laughs> dreams, you. and we hope they come true. Um, and you're already, you know, you're already getting started on accomplishing those dreams. Uh, that new HVAC system you guys have been working on, you and the yeah. company, if you know, that can if, help a lot of people. Yeah, it can. For sure. 
um, and you've you've also been an inspiration. Like Ali was saying earlier, you know, your resilience is going to carry you, uh, your determination, your mindset, and being that inspiration to others. You know, going to schools, talking to the kids at an early age, uh, sharing your story through YouTube, through social media. It's been very, very helpful for so many people, not just locally, but, you know, around the whole world. Because yeah. we don't know where these people are commenting from, but they're commenting, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I do get messages, and they have said, like, it has helped them. Because it started off with, like, I was in the hospital. I was a few months out of the hospital. I posted a video of me getting from the ground to my wheelchair. And my friend, who was an occupational therapist at RIM, showed that to one of his patients. And he said... She was a Yemeni girl who was paralyzed, like not even as bad as me, but she was just very depressed and very just sad about the whole situation. And when he showed that video to her, he said it changed, it changed her whole outlook. So ever since then, like if, I, if one of my videos can just help one person, it's worth it. So that's why I try to post. I, should, I need to post more on my YouTube, but um, I, post, I, I post a decent amount on Instagram. So, but I need to get back to posting on YouTube because I, I love helping people. So in any way that I can, and I love getting the messages from people. I think you're doing that already, and you're continuing to do that through being on this podcast and continuing your your efforts. And uh, um, no, this is this has been an amazing episode. Thank you yeah. so much for for sharing all of this. Uh, honestly, to, of course, of course. Well, there you have it, guys. Discovering disabilities in Dearborn with Salah Muhammad. Check him out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Subscribe. Uh, amazing person. Thank you. Thank you, Salah, and thank you to our amazing viewers for watching this podcast episode of Discovering Disabilities in Dearborn. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Dream Dearborn, and visit our website, dreamdearborn.org. We'll see you on the next one.